twowayradios.com, check, check. Bytwowayradios.com. Recorded almost live from Rock Hill, South Carolina. It's the Two Way Radio Show. Welcome to the Two-Way Radio Show. I'm Rick Savoya. I'm Danny Feimster. And I'm Anthony Roquet. And this is the podcast about two-way radios for business and consumer communications. Today we'll talk with a physician who is the chief medical officer of a large healthcare system and who is also a licensed ham. He will tell us how he started an amateur radio, how he got several other members of his family into the hobby, how he became involved with emergency response, and how his involvement in ham radio helped his career as an emergency physician. We'll also take some of your comments and questions from our blog, our YouTube channel, and our forum at twowayradioforum.com. Our show is sponsored by buytwowayradios.com, the source of two-way radios and radio accessories for businesses and consumers since 2002. Enter the promo code SHOW at checkout and save an additional 5% off your order. Buytwowayradios.com, your radio specialist. Recently, I attended PodFest Multimedia Expo, a conference for podcasters held each year in Orlando, Florida. While I was at the conference, I met Dr. Norman Chapin. As chief medical officer of a large healthcare system in Michigan, Dr. Chapin has worked in the medical field for over 40 years. He is also a licensed amateur radio operator and a podcaster. His recently launched podcast, called Beyond the Bedside, is produced for physicians who are interested in non-clinical careers. While attending the conference, I interviewed Dr. Chapin, and today we're going to hear the interview. We'll learn how he and several members of his family became amateur radio operators, how his experience as an emergency physician has helped him in his hobby, and how his hobby has helped him in his career. And I'm speaking to Norman Chapin, and he is a doctor who is also a ham radio operator. Uh, Norman, thanks for joining us on the Two-Way Radio Show. Thanks for having me, Rick. I'm excited to be here and uh, do this sort of spontaneous interview with you. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. I, I just ran into you. We're here at PodFest, and yep. I just literally ran into you right. here. And, uh, and you mentioned, hey, you saw, you saw my bag. I saw the, buy, the buy2wayradios.com, <laughs> and uh, I said, no, that's got to be a ham radio operator. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you were right on the money there. Well, um, Norman, first of all, tell me a little bit about uh, your practice. You're, you're a doctor. Yep. Yep. So I uh, graduated from medical school back in 1982. Mm-hmm. So I've been a physician for a while, almost 40 years now. Wow. And uh, I, I practice both family medicine and emergency medicine for about 15 or 20 years. And then I started getting into more and more administrative types of roles with my emergency medicine practice started doing a lot more quality work safety work and that eventually led to me becoming a full-time administrator Uh, i i stopped practicing medicine in 2008 uh, almost 11 years a little over 11 years ago now and uh, became a chief medical officer for a hospital in upstate new york and I've held various 
positions within different hospital systems since then. Currently, my wife and I are living in Michigan, and I'm working for one of the largest healthcare systems in Michigan as a chief medical officer in one of the smaller regions in their in their uh, healthcare system up in the Thumb area of Michigan. Wow, so you have so you have quite a career here. That's 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 impressive. It's it's been interesting and it's been fun and. It's uh, always kept me learning new things and doing different things. Well, now, you know, when we talk about ham radio operators, uh, there is the stigma with a lot of ham, uh, about the ham community quite often, that there are a lot of geeky guys in their basements or, or somewhere in a dark corner with some HF radio gear late at night listening to everything, you know, over the airwaves. Uh, making contacts back and forth, and they're not really thinking. They, they're not thinking about these people as being professionals or anything else. They're just these, these geeky guys that kind of do their thing. And yet, there's so many of them out there that are professionals that have careers, and some of them really, really high profile as yes. well. Yes. And um, and you're one of these. You're a doctor and a ham. Yes. What started you in ham radio? How long, first of all, how long have you been a ham radio operator? Well, it's interesting. I got my first ticket in 1980 oh, when I was in medical school. It was my second year of medical school. I, I got my ticket. It had been something I had dreamed about during my childhood. And a friend of my dad's, when I was growing up, was an amateur radio operator. Mm-hmm. And he first introduced me to the hobby. And I was always fascinated, actually by Morse code and the the electronics of amateur radio and just communicating long distance. Of course, back then, when I was growing up in the 60s and 70s, we didn't have anywhere near the technological advantages that we have today to communicate. And um, so to me, it was just fascinating to be able to communicate over long distances and to talk to people from different cultures and different areas of the world. Um, so I got my license when I was in medical school, and I was active as a ham probably for five or six years. And then as my family uh, started to grow and my practice became busier, uh, I actually sort of went through a period of 15 or 20 years where I uh, wasn't very active at all. I actually uh, failed to renew my license at one point. So then I had kids of my own, and one day my seventh grader came up to me and he said, Dad, I I heard about Morse code today in my science class. Do you know anything about that? It seems pretty cool. So I pulled my old Kenwood uh, TS-520 out of the closet. I had it it boxed up for years. It was just in pristine condition. And that was the conversation that got me back into amateur radio. I went to class with him and with two of my other kids, and we got our ticket, got my ticket back, and uh, so we started getting reengaged in the hobby. Now, you mentioned one of your kids, and we were talking be- before the interview. You have your whole family, basically. Your whole family's in a ham radio, well, or have I, been at some point. I have three kids who are in amateur radio. Um, we have a large family, so not all of my kids. We have eight kids all together, my wife and I, and three of them are active in uh, the amateur radio hobby and have their tickets right now. Yep. That's that's very cool. It's very impressive. Yeah. If you've been listening to the two-way radio show for any 
uh, period of time, you'll know that my son Tommy and I are both hams, and, and we both got our tickets together, and we, we've been through all that. Um, and, and it's always cool to see other hams whose families are, are into ham radio. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm always amazed at some of the activities that I see the youth getting involved in. I've been to Dayton a couple of times to the big hamvention down there. And it's impressive to me when you see 12 and 13 year old kids and what they can accomplish in the hobby and, and, and the level of interest that they have. And it was, it was exciting for me to, to share my passion about radio with my children as they were growing up. We had some great times together. We were actually, I don't remember if you remember when some of the hurricanes came through New York and there was yeah. quite a bit of devastation. The county that we lived in at the time, this was back in 2006, I think, um, but every single bridge, we lived in the foothill area of the Catskill Mountains just between, sort of between New York City and Albany. And every single bridge in our county was completely washed out. We had areas of the county where vehicle support was impossible communications was down through the whole county my kids and i got to participate in that volunteer aspect of disaster communications with aries and races and i think that that was just a great reminder for them of how valuable this hobby can be in those types of situations and i've seen examples of that over the years you mentioned the idea that we we sit in basements and it's just so far from the reality of all of the benefits we bring to our communities and to societies when we participate in these hobbies. You look at the disasters in the Caribbean over the last four or five years and how much support those communities got from the amateur radio community. It's, it's very impressive. Oh, A yes. lot of volunteer time. Uh, the hurricanes we've had. Uh, that we had the past year, and, and some of the mm -hmm. other, not just hurricanes, but other natural disasters, and other uh, disasters uh, across the world, the hams are basically the first, uh, sometimes the only line of communication yes. between, you know, people who are in need and the first responders and uh, everything that's going on. Uh, look what happened in Puerto Rico. Yes. Everything was just devastated there yes. uh, when those uh, when that hurricane hit, and um, that was ham radio. The kind of right. that was their only link right. at some point. Right. Yes. Yeah. I think those kinds of examples to me are uh, they just remind me of one of the big reasons that I get in got into the hobby, and one of the things that I enjoy most about it is that aspect of giving back to the communities and helping people in need through the hobby that I enjoy so much. Are you personally involved with uh, Aries and Races? Yes, I was. When I was in New York, I was an Aries and Races member. I haven't joined a group yet since we moved back to Michigan, but I've attended a few of the meetings, and now that my, my wife and I have kind of settled into a community, we moved around a bit. When we first went back to Michigan, I'm going to begin getting more involved with a local Aries and Races group in Michigan. Something interesting about this, do you ever find uh, a bit of a of an overlap or maybe uh, does your experience as a medical professional, uh, do you find that you are able to use some of that experience in your uh, 
in your practice of, of ham radio? Yes, I think that the when I began in emergency medicine, I got, and this was at a time when I had sort of left the amateur radio hobby, so to speak. It was in a period when I wasn't very active. But as an emergency physician, as we started to prepare for disaster management as it related to my emergency medicine specialty, I started to do a lot of ICS training. We started to do, I was the medical director for many of the EMS agencies in the county. And so I became very involved and very knowledgeable about the incident command structure. And I found then when I went back into amateur radio and I started to be involved at the county level with a RACES organization and those, or an ARIES event where we were supporting a, a run or a bike ride or something like that, having that knowledge really made it much more easy for me to use that knowledge to run a network or to you know to run a net for disaster communications those types of things so i did find that there were areas where that interdigitated very nicely it's kind of all inter- it all intersected yes. and, and uh, what about as a medical professional do you, uh, have you found instances where uh, your knowledge of ham radio has kind of helped with your practice well i think it's i don't i don't know if there are any specific examples that i can think of but i i do find that the thing that i've enjoyed most or one of the things that i've enjoyed most about amateur radio is the diversity mm-hmm. and being able to speak to people from different cultures and different regions of the country and I find that when I work in an emergency room or in many, even now that I'm not seeing patients, but I'm working as a hospital administrator, the ability to be sensitive to other people's perspectives and be respectful of other people's backgrounds, I think makes you more successful in my field. And I I think that has definitely been something that has been enhanced by the relationships that I've had because of amateur radio and meeting people from walks of life and from areas of the country and areas of the world that I would never have been able to do without it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Norman also has a uh, podcast. Tell us a little bit about your, your podcast. Sure. So my podcast just got off the ground. I released my first episode in uh, December of this year, and I've released a total of three episodes. So my podcast is titled Beyond the Bedside. And I mentioned to you earlier my transition from clinical medicine and emergency medicine to an administrative role. More and more physicians are being called upon to serve healthcare organizations in executive roles, administrative roles. There are, there's just a huge need for physicians to be involved in running the business of hospitals. Mm-hmm. And, and many physicians are very interested after 10 or 15 years in practice of actually exploring other career opportunities. There are many physicians who have become politicians, who have become authors or have moved into other segments of the industry besides healthcare. So my podcast is designed to provide physicians with and who have an interest in exploring non-clinical options for them to give them resources, tools, 
give them examples of other physicians who have had the same aspiration and have done it very successfully. So I'm very excited about my podcast. It has really re-energized me and it's fun to do. I enjoy sitting in front of a microphone or I wouldn't have been an amateur radio <laughs> operator. But recording them and, and providing information for people who are looking for answers to questions that they have, mm-hmm. in, in many ways, it just fits my concept of being of a service to others and helping other people find answers to um, struggles that they're having in their life. And I'm, I'm really excited about it. Well, that's great. I, I, I wish you all the best on that. Where can we hear your podcast? So my podcast right now is on iTunes. And I also have my own website with links to my podcast where I have my show notes. What's your website address? It's beyondthebedside.net. Beyond the so if bedside. you go to beyondthebedside.net, you can have links to all of my shows there or find me on iTunes and uh, subscribe. I'd love to have uh, anybody who's interested just take a listen and give me any feedback. I have contact information on my website, so please feel free to, I hope some of your listeners uh, take the opportunity to listen and give me their contact information. I'd love to hear their comments on the show. Well, thank you very much. Once again, we've been speaking with Dr. Norman Chapin and uh, his podcast, Beyond the Bedside. Uh, He is a ham radio operator. He's been in ham radio for a long time, and uh, he's been a practicing physician for over 40 years. Uh, Thank you very much for being on the Two-Way Radio Show. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was a great interview, Rick. It was. Good job. Thank you. thanks to Dr. Chapin for joining us. All right, well, we have some comments and questions from our blog, YouTube channel, and forum at twowayradioforum.com. Uh, the first one comes from Don, and he's asking about the TYT9600 firmware. He wants to know, how can I find out what firmware is in my radio and how can I change it? And that's from Don. A couple ways. You can you can read the, the radio with your software, programming software, and it'll tell you what version you have. You can also go into menu and utilities and I think it's radio settings and then radio version and it will tell you what firmware you're using there, um, you know, what number you're using. Simple enough. Simple enough. And then after that, um, we've got a blog on our website of us demonstrating how you have to, how you do it. It'll mm-hmm. tell you, I think it's an older blog, so the firmware um number that's mentioned in there is older but it's the same method still same, same process right yeah. so um and then all the firmwares are, are available on tyt's website tyt888.com tyt888 just make sure you're putting yeah, the right, right firmware in it make sure you're because there are gps versions non-gps versions and sometimes people will put the gps version in a in a non-gps version and it looks like it bricks the radio, but mm-hmm. um, it's fixable. You just reload it with the correct, the correct firmware. You've had a lot of calls in that where people are just not really following the procedure correctly right. or putting in the wrong firmware for right. the wrong radio. But uh, but it can be it's done. Pretty, it's pretty simple. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, this one's from Ross. Ross wants to know, uh, is there any chance the Chirp software can program my Xiaomi two-way radio? And that's from Ross. I have never heard of it's X I A M X I A O M I. 
two-way radio. Never heard of it. But, um, you know, the simple answer to this is check with the Chirp Project site and find out if your radio is listed. You know, then that's at chirp.danplanet.com. And they list all the radios that are currently compatible with Chirp and that Chirp will read and, and support. If it isn't on the list, it's not supported. Simple as that. And you can put in a request. Um Yes. Yes, you can. And ask the chirp folks to uh, to add it. But um, good luck. Well, don't ask us. Now we we get a lot of uh, requests from people. I don't know if you get them on the phone. Oh, but yeah. I get them in the blog all oh, the time, yeah. saying, "Hey, can you add this? Add support to this for chirp." I'm like, "Well, I keep telling them over and over again, and I and I've told them in the blog articles, we're not." We don't make sure if that's not our program. We're, we, we just provide it as a, as a public service uh, to our customers. And, uh, you know, you have to contact the Chirp Development Project. They're the ones. They own that software. That's theirs. And, and uh, they're the ones that make that determination. But it still doesn't stop the request. We get them all the time. Hey, can you add this radio to Chirp? Can you add that radio to Chirp? Uh, um, no. <laughs> I've had people ask ours. me to have – can you see if uh, they can add a TK3402 Kenwood to chirp for me, please? No. <laughs> you know, I've always wondered why the, the manufacturers don't add their radios to chirp themselves. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if, if yeah. the ocean guys would uh, go ahead and write whatever it takes to have support for their product You'd in think. chirp? You'd think. I mean, it is an open source project, I believe, right? It is, yeah. Yeah. So they should be able to do that. But then again, if they did that, they would probably have like 10,000 versions of Chirp out there. They're all different and they're not, not really managed. And I, I guess probably it's best to go through the Chirp developers to, to make sure that happens to kind of keep everything. Yeah, they would probably be out. asked to support the Chirp as, yeah. as well. So maybe that's what's stopping them. Well, it doesn't stop people from asking us to support Chirp and it's not ours. <laughs> right. But uh, I don't know. All right, this is a comment from Thomas. He's uh, commenting on the Olympia R500. He says, the Olympia does not hit GMRS repeaters. Only my Midland 75-440 does, and it's only a 2-watt radio. They don't make them like they used to. And that's from Thomas. Um, well, uh, you know, they may not make them like they used to, but uh, there's a reason why it's probably not hitting the repeater. It's, it's not within range, and um, that's because... The uh, Midland 75-440 may have been a 2-watt radio, but the Olympia R500 is under 1 watt. As a matter of fact, it's only 0.929. Uh, yeah, I think that's what it is. It's, it's 0.929. So half the power <laughs> yeah. of the, the Midland. So that, uh, that, that, that would explain it, yeah. Um, let's see. This one comes from Cliff. Uh, he's asking about the MXT90. He says, I have an MXT90. Is there a way that channels 8 through 14 can be unlocked? Is there any bootleg software that can do it? Any help, please? And that's from Cliff. Um, no, can, not, no, not that I've ever heard no, of. No. Uh, well, first of all, Cliff, the, the MXT90 can't really be unlocked by the end user anyway. Um, if there is any bootleg software out there, we, we can't really promote it because uh, we wouldn't, because it, Technically, wouldn't be legal because, you know, the MXT90 is essentially an MXT105. Just been re 
be numbered uh, for a specific retailer. But having said that, the um, uh, the thing is, if you're if you're able to get in there and unlock it, that's really against the FCC rules because these radios have been have been. Um, Midland makes Rick's about to lecture about the FCC rules. Right, I'm not going to do a lecture, but <laughs> the finger gets going. Well, the thing that would is, be illegal. Stop it. Well, the thing is, channels eight through fourteen are FRS only right. channels that are low powered. They have to be under uh, you know one half watt mm-hmm. and the um, these are GMRS radios that operate at much higher wattage, mm-hmm. so you know you can't really go in there and change that to make it high powered because it would not be legal to to transmit. So um, you know, in fact, Midland makes important note of this on uh, on page three of their MXT one hundred and five user manual, warning people not to try to modify this because uh, uh, that would be against the FCC rules. So I would. Uh, not recommend it. But I really don't see a point. Why? Why? I'm curious to know why. Why do you want eight through fourteen unlocked? Because the other fourteen channels aren't good enough. Yeah, I, I was wondering the same question. I don't okay. get that. Do, does he think you'll get <laughs> he, less? He uh, needs channel nine. <laughs> My buddies channel. all use channel nine. I cannot get them to change at fifty watts. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm curious. Why? Why? Why eight through fourteen? What's the difference? That's a good question. I want to modify this radio so I can transmit on this FRS channel. We can always uh, can always uh, contact Cliff and ask him. <laughs> no, I'm sure we'll never get him off the phone. Yeah, maybe we can have him on the show. <laughs> maybe so. All right, it'd be a three part series. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. We have uh, one from uh, Herbert, and he's asking about the TH eighty six hundred. Herbert says, uh, I have a TH-8600 by TYT. It is locked. Do you know how I can unlock it? Thanks. And that's from Herb. Locked how? I mean, is it locked? I don't know. He doesn't say. Uh, we wrote that blog post last week on the unlocking a TYT, and now we're getting all the unlocking questions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So if he's talking about locked... If you're talking, if if it's locked in the sense that it's locked down to the amateur frequencies, um, you know, 150 to 160 or or whatever the case may be, that TYT, I still can't figure out why. But anyway, tyt888.com under downloads, they the first six entries are for all these unlocked radios. So there's, mm-hmm. um. You know, ninety six hundred MD three eighty, but there's a there's a spot for the eighty six hundred. I would download that, reflash it, and see what that does. But that didn't come from us. <laughs> My name is Rob. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Scorpion wants to know: Does Midland make a mobile MERS radio? And that's from Scorpion. Not at this time. No. But I have, I've, I have heard other people um, uh, request more MERS radios. So who knows? Maybe one day. We've asked about it before. We've asked Midland, Midland. about it. Midland, there's a product request. Get us a mobile yeah, MERS radio. Yeah. There you go. Francisco, um, uh, Francisco is responding to um, the Radio 101 video that you did some time back, Anthony, how to change channels and privacy codes on a Midland GXT-1000. 
He says, uh, just like many others that have seen this, it helped me figure out how to use privacy code function. Thank you. And that's from Francisco. We, we get a lot of um, kudos and thanks from on uh, on the Radio 101 video, especially like some of the ones you've done, like the super lock and that sort of thing. We just want to make the world a better place. Yeah. And one video at a time. <laughs> video at a time. <laughs> we get some pretty bad comments on YouTube also. <laughs> yeah, but mostly on some of the radios that we – you know, <laughs> I think those. I think that video and Superlock have probably been our most popular videos. I mean, it's. Mm-hmm. I think it's saved a lot of days because the manual's not very clear on the Midlands. You know, it's very. It's more of just a tree. You know, yeah, you press yeah. press it six times and get to here, and then go down to this, and so I'm glad it uh, glad it helped. Uh, let's see the. Um Another one, uh, I can't pronounce his name, Ray Orkin, says, uh, I have a radio network already set up with DTR-550 and DTR-650s. Since they are no longer being produced, I have recently gotten to the DTR-700, which requires newer programming software. I have imported my profile from network and added the first new radio. When I try to write to it, I get the message the profile can't be written to the radio. Any idea why? And uh, that's from Ryu or Ken. Uh, what's he got a 550 and now he's going to a, a six uh, going to the new series going to the new going to the 700 he's got 550s and 650s it's you've got to make a brand new profile yeah it's the same programming software but a profile is not writable across a series so um, basically he needs to make a brand new file um, for his new radio the radios can be compatible and they can talk but uh, you can't just write the same profile to this different radios i've i've put a request in because typically that doesn't bother me until i have to i'm the one that has to redo it mm-hmm. and and it happens all the time i mean it happens when um not with just dtr radios with um you know if somebody buys an icom 4001 and then switches to 4011s you think you should just be able to open it up and flash it but it doesn't work that way and it's i I put something into motorola and they were um you know said they're working on it but i don't i don't know how far that's going to go right now it'll be nice manual you have to do it all manually yeah i mean it would be nice because that's some people i've seen some people put some really extensive work into their files for those things and that's yeah it's a lot of work especially with digital systems where you're building contacts for all your users right and, and groups and all that yeah, there should be a way to import and export those things from one to the other without too much trouble. It'd be nice. I think. And our last one comes from Luke. He's asking about the uh, Motorola RMM2050 video, the unboxing video that we did some time back. He says, can someone please make more videos about this radio? And that's from Luke. He's uh, He wants more videos on the RMM2050. Well, don't we all? So. I mean, well, that just drives home the point I was making earlier about uh, I think there's a growing interest in, in MERS. I think there are more people that are, are wanting to do more with MERS radios. And, and right now, there's just there, – there are not too many of them out there, you know. Yeah, I agree with you. I wish there were more MERS options. All right. Well, I guess that does it for our comments and questions in this episode. Send in your comments and questions for Danny, Anthony, or myself to show at buytwowayradios.com. If you want to know more about today's topic or about two-way radios in general, check out our forum discussions at twowayradioforum.com. 
You can subscribe to the Two-Way Radio Show directly from our website at twowayradioshow.com or hear it on iTunes, Blueberry.com, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, or Spotify, and the list keeps growing because we're just reaching every every network everywhere now. So, um, you know, of course, you can hear it on your on your uh, uh, smart speaker if you have an Amazon Echo, Echo Dot, whatever, uh, or a Google Home. Uh, you can hear it there as well. Um, we're just everywhere now. Wherever podcasts are sold. Yep. Well, I guess it does it for our episode this time. Uh, before we go, any any final comments, any final thoughts on any of this? Uh, thanks to Dr. Chapin for doing the interview. Check out his podcast. Yep, definitely. Um, all right, well, today's show is sponsored by BuyTwoWayRadios.com. Whether you're searching for two-way radios for general consumer or business use, Buy Two-Way Radios can help you find the best solution for your needs. Enter the promo code SHOW at checkout and save an additional 5% off your order. Give us a call at 1-800-584-1445 or enter our live chat at BuyTwoWayRadios.com. Well, everyone, as always, thanks for listening. And until next time, for the Two-Way Radio Show, I'm Rick Savoy. I'm Danny Feimster. And I'm Anthony Roquet. And we're out. Out.